is a statement that goes, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Do you have an idea or do you want to engage in something that God has called you to do but you don't know where to start? Hi, my name is Trey Rao and I want to engage in these conversations with guest speakers along the way that will help in the start of our journey. I want to engage in conversations from my discussions and from guest speakers on hard topics and also testimonies that us Christians really need to hear and really struggle with. I also want to engage in other conversations like sports and entertainment, but I want this podcast to be God-honoring as possible. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the Journey Begins Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. What's up, everybody? Welcome in on the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Guys, it is the 10th episode. I can hardly believe it, uh, but I am thankful to God for the opportunity to do 10 episodes and many more to come. I'm very excited about this episode because it is a three-part interview um, that I will be interviewing three different people on the importance of involvement in community. And one of the guys who I think is really um, awesome and has um, a very unique way of seeing church's involvement in community is my guy here, Pastor John Curtin, and also uh, glad to have my dad here as the co-host. So thank you guys for uh, tuning in, and thank you, Pastor G, for taking up your time to be here today. Easy. Real easy. So um, I got to know, just to uh, start off the podcast, um, the first time I met you was actually... uh, I think it was the day when I actually uh, met Pastor Brian Norris from a uh, the airport, and then after that we went to see you. Uh, what was it, the Daniel uh, Fast uh, Day Twenty One or something like that? I can't remember what community it was. Yeah, he was he was doing um, doing some outreach at his church. The Thirty Days. I, I thought you first met him at the conference, but um, I think that's right. No, we you you were doing um, you were doing the Thirty Days. Um, and, and you had that little building at the corner uh, right. outside, outside the church building, and right. we stopped in. You were doing a prayer service or something like that, and I, I can't remember exactly, but we stopped by, and uh, I guess that was the first time that you that you met him, and we we were there to. I, I wanted him. I wanted Trey to meet you, uh, Pastor G, and and see on the ground what you were what you were doing there. Wow, exactly. And one of the uh, one of the reasons why that um, I grown to uh to realize that pastor g has actually become a role model in my life in terms of churches involvement in community and what he's done uh, for community itself but i gotta know guys how did you guys first meet to get to the point where dad you introduced me to him hmm. uh pastor g you want to start this well uh i guess i can yeah. and then you can finish it out so basically uh there was a program for youth to to do coding uh i don't i don't you're gonna have to fill in the blanks because i don't remember the name of the program or anything i just remember you know once a week maybe on a saturday or something like that uh you're supposed to take your kids down to this uh building uh right off of i think was market street uh downtown Mm -hmm. something like that and uh one day 
I went down there to drop my son off. And so I decided to do some work while I was there, I believe. And I, so I had my computer and so I was going to do some work or whatever. And um, that's when I ran into uh, the Rev there. And from there, I don't, I don't know if it was about, man, can I make you a cup of coffee? Or, or I don't know what it was, yeah. but it was yeah. something about, the, it was like kindred spirits. And that's so- right. I don't know if, if if I look like a pastor to him or if he looked like a pastor to me. I don't know what it was, but certainly, you know, uh, uh, it was one of those situations where, you know, uh, when the Bible talks about uh, try the spirit and all that, mm -hmm. it was one of those situations where it was like a kindred spirit, like, like, bam, like, exactly. idiot, you know, uh, right. was it? it was not opposites attract. It was, it was godly men attract. And it was like, hey, man, what do you do? that's right what do you do you know and from there it's like <laughs> yeah. boom that's right so it was the ironworks the place called the ironworks and gotcha. they they offered for parents to bring their kids for something like four free sessions of like an introductory introduction to coding so what it meant was that like 45 parents were stuck downtown for like an hour <laughs> we, couldn't, we couldn't do anything we we couldn't leave our eight-year-olds, you know, exactly. anywhere. So we had to sit outside these rooms. And so we're all just, we're all just sitting there just, you know, we're, we're happy for our kids, but we're sort of waiting for this hour to pass. And, and so I'm sitting at this table across from you and you're, um, you're banging away in your laptop and stuff. And I just, you're exactly right. You just, you just have this radar that's like, yeah, I think that dude's a pastor. And, and so, uh, so I, we introduced ourselves to each other, and um, and, and you were uh, um, you're exactly right. It was a it was a uh, kindred spirit kind of thing right away. I think we got coffee once or twice, but then I got the chance. It wasn't very long after that that your first urban servant uh, leadership conference happened, and I got the the privilege to to be there for that, and and have been to as far as I know to everyone since. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think you know the thing about and I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have any way to be but transparent. I have, I don't believe I've ever met anyone in my life that the relationship uh, has accelerated to the degree that me and Redhead Rev have. Exactly. Uh, and I, um, particularly from the perspective of cultures, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, in most contexts, when I run, when I meet a person uh, from the white community, and I, I mean, 99% of the time, the idea is whatever that that person is doing, the question is, how can you come support what I'm doing? Come be a part of what I'm doing. Come, you know, I'm going to invite you somewhere and you're going to want to come to wherever I am, whether that's in Fishers or Carmel or in Noblesville or in Hamilton County, wherever it is, that's typically the way it goes right and so to have a situation where somebody like redhead rev comes to me and says hey man what you got going on i want to i want to be there it was like really <laughs> you want to you want to actually be involved in something i'm doing that's odd you know and i'm again i'm just being honest and 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 then to also involve your son uh took it to a whole nother place you know because it, it almost says, not only do I appreciate you, but I also trust what you're doing enough to bring my children into the conversation so that they can experience 
you know, a, a, a positive relationship with a positive person, which, you know, I, I you know, I, I feel like I'm a pretty, pretty good guy to know. <laughs> and I hate the fact that, you know, everybody doesn't get a chance to kind of hang out, but, you know, Redhead Red says, Hey man, not only do I appreciate it, you know, Hey man, meet my son. And, 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 and I was thinking about, I was thinking about you just the other day. I don't, I don't know why, uh, uh, Trey. I was just thinking about you just the other day, and and here we are. And yeah. so I'm just I'm just excited to 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 be able to watch you grow and mature because you weren't as tall as you are now. When <laughs> I first met you, you weren't as mature as you are now. You hadn't graduated, none of that. So to to be able to be a part of the growth spurt of your life, right? Um, it, it's awesome uh, to say I knew you when you were shorter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I'm, I'm, I just want to add in, I, I second all of that. And, um, you know, it was important for me to be intentional about getting guys like Pastor G into Trey's life to expand his horizons as far as what's possible for the kingdom of God, what's possible just for living a life that is everything that God intended it could be. So I'm um, super thankful that we got to to, to uh, waste that hour sitting outside of, of the coding room with our with our kids that day. <laughs> it was not a waste, man. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's the best 45 minutes of my life, man. Come that's, on. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so Pastor G, um, I got to know, and um, as we uh, continue to develop uh, who you are as a person, uh, please share us your story from the beginning, how God has worked in your life and uh, how from that point in time, from where you are now. Well, you know, I don't want to go too far back and talk. I mean, cause I could go a, a million different ways with sure. when you say my story, I probably should have asked you to qualify it, uh, qualify the question and say, Hey man, you know, start at age 21 and go from there or, <laughs> you know, from college or whatever. Cause it's, you know, I've been, you know, I've been a, a, a serial entrepreneur, creative person. I've been a, you know, a, I've been a, uh, you know, someone who has never shied away from a challenge mm. kind of guy, you know, I've kind of been that way. I think kind of like all my life. Uh, we're gonna take things and technical difficulties, of and, course, with the Wi-Fi. And and so, okay. Uh, well, the there we go. You're probably, on. Yeah, the audio is probably still good, so I'm just gonna keep going. So, um, you know, at the age of of like I said, six, seven, eight, you know, I was doing all kind of stuff. I was selling peanut butter cookies out of my mother's house. I was uh, making bicycles. I was again DJing. I was, you know, <laughs> I was doing some of everything everything man and then i at, at about 15 i started working with video uh through a program at indiana black expo and that kind of took me into the direction that you know i kind of am now because i'm sitting in my studio now that has cameras and lights and streaming stuff and virtual event and graphics and all that so at the age of 15 i started in that direction and i became fairly uh fairly uh, uh connected to the audio, video, print, new media, multimedia uh, uh, industry. Um, I produced my first music video that aired on regular rotation on national TV, which was BET back, I was I was 19 at the time. 
Wow. Uh, when I did my first music video, I had archery competition awards from Australia before I was 21. Um, I remember uh, I was the youngest and only African-American cameraman at the 1987 Pan American Games that came to Indianapolis that year. So I was doing, you know, kind of high end stuff early on in my life. At the age of about 22, 23, uh, I actually went off on a world tour as a concert tour manager with a popular R&B group back in the early 90s, late 80s. The group called High Five, some people remember him. And I did that, traveled around the world with them for a couple of years. Then it kind of came back to Indianapolis, kind of started over, got married. Uh, well, actually I went to, I moved to Chicago, uh, started working in Chicago, uh, landed at a publishing company called David C. Cook Publishing, which is actually the largest publisher of Christian education literature in the world up in Elgin, Illinois. I landed there and um, they wanted me to go out to Colorado Springs. So I got married, went out to Colorado Springs uh, with my new wife. We stayed out there a couple of years. Uh, I'd left uh, David C. Cook and went to a company called Compassion International. Some folk may remember them as the organization that does Christian child development around the world. Uh, I stayed there long enough to become the national marketing manager for the USA program. There I was 26. 27, 28 years old. Um, and we did Promise Keepers. I don't know if you remember Promise Keepers, uh, uh, brother, uh, Redhead Rev. I don't know if you remember them, but we did. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Around the country. You know, that that was pretty big out of Denver, Colorado. Yeah. Um, after a couple of years, uh, my, my wife and I knew that we couldn't have kids that far. So we decided to come back this direction towards the East Coast and we landed in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and in Nashville, we did a lot of great work in Nashville. Uh, we, uh, uh, I got there, I actually, uh, relaunched my business that I had been kind of, that had been traveling around with me. My business was in Indianapolis, Chicago, Colorado. So once we got to Nashville, that's when we decided to take that full time. And we began doing primarily faith-based work, work for, for faith-based, uh, churches and parachurch organizations. And we blew that thing up uh, for a small minority owned company. We were doing, we eventually did about half a million dollars a year, which isn't a lot. But when you're, when you're starting from zero in your bedroom, uh, that was, was pretty good. So sure. we did that until about 99, no, about 2001. Uh, after September 11th hit, it really decimated the work that we were doing. Uh, there were some other things that happened, uh, not just in on the national scale of, you know, September 11th, but then there was also some things that happened in Nashville that made it difficult to be a small minority owned business. So we ended up closing that down. And then I ended up in education. So I started teaching at ITT Technical Institute as an adjunct instructor in Nashville. Then I got hired as an adjunct at Tennessee State University teaching broadcast, journalism and communications. Ultimately, I got hired at TSU. Then I picked up a summer gig at the Signathaler Center on the campus of Vanderbilt University. Then I did some other work uh, at American Baptist College. So then I ended up in the education space. Uh, with the education space, what that allowed me to do was, um, and, and, and uh, Trey, I think the, the very important thing to know is that when I started all of this stuff in the early 90s, there was no websites, right? There was no internet kind of, you know, we learned how to type on typewriters, legitimately, <laughs> right. right? Exactly. There was no websites, cameras were three chips, you know, they weren't, they didn't look like, and everybody can't see this, but they didn't look like this, right? Mm -hmm. uh, everything was three chip with umbilical cords and uh, one inch tape and three quarter and all that stuff. 
And so a lot changed technologically between 92, 93 and 2002, 2003, a lot changed. And so I was in the, and this is all gonna come full circle in a second, but I was in the middle of this landscape shift in, in the technology. This website stuff was coming, this whole idea of uh, voice over IP, this whole idea of video on the internet was just starting to emerge. We had videos, but they were like really, they were called uh, posted stamp videos because they were really little in order to get them through the internet. Remember the uh, modems that made, right? We had those modems that brought the internet to your computer. It was crazy in the early 2000s. Well, I was in the middle of all of it and I was teaching. So what was so exciting was that I was learning it because my students were learning it. And that gave me the ability to sort of be on the very front edge of what was to ultimately come. And so I did the education thing. Uh, I got promoted at Tennessee State to uh, TV operations manager, then to uh, director of creative media services at TSU. Uh, I stayed there to about 2009 and then Ball State University called me to come back and teach in Muncie. So I went from TSU to Ball State uh, and uh, the journey toward the street, and y'all haven't heard a lot about ministry, but I'm, I'm gonna get to that in a second. Uh, 2010, I did Ball State. I had that one year contract. After that contract ended at Ball State, I ended up, uh, that's when God sort of, let's see. Um, I don't know what to call it, uh, uh, Rev, uh, but that was that season that where, where God says, now I'm going to take everything that you've done, right? Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to dump all of it out yeah. on the floor yeah. and then only allow you to pick up what's necessary, mm. right? Yep. So only grab, you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like if, um, if uh, you go to bed one night and the fire alarm goes off and you wake up to realize the house is on fire and you can only grab what you need. Yeah. Right. Oh, that'll preach right there. Mm -hmm. Only grab what you need. And he got dumped out everything that we had done. A fire alarm went off in my life. And I could only grab what I needed to survive. And that was probably from 2011, all the way kind of like to kind of to where we are now, where yeah. we lost our house, we got went into foreclosure, we were losing our cars, my health was failing, mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have a place to live. We had to, you know, mind you, 2000, you know, 1999, 2000, I was generating half a million dollars a year. Yeah. Fast forward 10 years, I couldn't find two quarters to rub together. Mm. I mean, everything, nobody would hire me. I had more rejection letters than you could imagine. Oh. I was, I didn't have anything else to do. Um, so I would do these training programs for people that were trying to get jobs. And I remember one day I was sitting outside getting ready to go in uh, to train these, these, uh, these young guys on how to do the resume and all that. And my cell phone buzzed. I looked at my phone and it was another rejection email. And mm -hmm. I sat in my van and I just thought, how can I go in here to help these guys get jobs when I can't get one myself? Yeah. And so 
right at about 2000, I think it was September 2013 or 2014, that's when I contemplated suicide. That's mm -hmm. when I thought, I, I mean, it, I had gotten so low yeah. that I figured I couldn't take care of my family. Nobody, I mean, I had started applying at Walmart, you mm -hmm. know, and they yep. wouldn't hire me. They were yep. like, we're not hiring you, you're overqualified. And I'm like, you know, and so I, I, I just couldn't understand it. I would literally do Bible studies sitting on the curb of a gas station with two homeless people. I mean, yeah. that's, I didn't have anything else to do. Yeah. You know, and, and I got in that low. Yeah. I was sweeping, I was sweeping floors at an 84 lumber right around that same time. I, cause you're exactly right. That was, that was literally all I could, all I could get my hands on for a job. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, pretty wild how the timelines are similar with some of the things that, that God put us through. And you, that's, yeah, you're framing it exactly right. You just, it feels like he just dumped it out and, and you just, you just, uh, yeah, you just left to, it feels like you're left to pick up the pieces and, and you don't even have pieces to pick up. So that's what yeah, it feels. Please continue. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's, that's what it was like. And, you know, and when I, I, I you know, it, 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 and, and honestly, it was a situation where I had, life had broken me down so far that I had forgotten who, who I was. Yeah. I had forgotten what I had. I had hmm. forgotten, you know, and, and, and you, it's easy to say, be grateful, be grateful, be grateful, you know, uh, but in those moments, sometimes the human side of it makes it so that it is, you know, that, that depression, I mean, it's real, right? Exactly. I mean, it's real when you think, why am I getting up today? Yeah. You know? If, if, if today goes like yesterday, I really have no reason to get up. I mean, mm. honestly, and you can really end up in that cycle. And that's where I was. And so, um, so that thought, and honestly, uh, Trey, when that thought crossed my mind, I just lost it. Mm. I said, how in the world, how in the world did I get to a place where I could contemplate that? You know, I mean, seriously, I, I, I couldn't believe that I thought that, but mm. truth is, the truth is I did. And, um, that's where in my mind, I always would tell people that's when the voice in my head said, uh, it was the graffiti moment, <laughs> the graffiti in, mm -hmm. uh, in uh, Lion King moment when he hits him over the head and says, you are more than you have become. Right. Mm. It was that moment where God said, you know, uh, to me, you are more than you have become. You, you know, don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are. Uh, what you did before, you can do it again. Uh, don't, don't forget the gift, the talents, the ability, the favor that I have over your life and what I've deposited in you. And I committed myself in that moment to find the most difficult thing that I could do and focus on that. I said, if I don't get a job, no problem. If I don't, um, you know, if I, if I, if I never get my credit back, because obviously once you lose a house, you end up in the toilet, right? If, if, if I have end up with no, nothing, whatever I, whatever happens, don't focus on that. Focus on getting something done that I have avoided. And the two things that I chose was writing and finishing my master's degree. Those are the two things I chose. Then I thought, well, how am I going to do that? Right. And Three months later, uh, Martin University's president 
called me in and said, look, I understand that you have some skills that we could use at Martin. We will uh, pay you a certain amount of money and then we will, con we will um, compensate you for your degree if you re-enroll, right? To get your degree, we'll pay for a portion of the degree based on the work that you do for the university. So that was the first thing, because I was trying to figure out how am I going to finish the degree because I don't have a job, I got no money. Boom, there it was. And then preaching at CNBC Indy. And guess what? That meant that I had to write every now. Uh, not only am I getting my degree, I'm writing. Uh, I'm now, you know, uh, connected with the community of faith. And um, boom, so that launched that. And so to, to get all of that wrapped into kind of where we were when you and I met uh, Rev and what you started to experience Trey is that what I recognized after the fact was that in order for me to talk and to minister to people, I had to first identify with them. Mm so that no one could come to me and say, you don't understand. Mm. And I yeah. really didn't understand. So what ended up happening was when I got to CNBC Indy, when they brought me in as their senior, uh, senior pastor, um, I immediately went to the street that I had been walking for the past five years. I went right back to the street where I'd already been. So it wasn't, it wasn't anything new to me at that point because I, I went right back to the curb that I'd already been sitting on, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I went back to, to do Bible studies with people that I was already doing Bible studies for. I went back to the alley to pray with people that I was already praying with, you know, mm -hmm. the only, the only, the only difference between me and anybody else was that if that homeless person looked at me and said, you don't understand I would say, excuse me, <laughs> I totally understand. Because I remember when the guy who, who, whose house we were renting said, you know what, I love you all, I appreciate you all, but I cannot lower the rent anymore. Y'all gotta go. And we had to go. And so we left, me mm -hmm. and my entire family, right? Um, I knew what it was like to be hungry and not have money to buy food. I knew what it was like to have kids. And, and and not know how I was gonna pay for their education. I knew what it was like to have a car and not have gas. I knew what it was like to watch it be towed away, right? I knew what it was like to lose your house. I knew what it was like to, 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 to go and have a health assessment and have it come back with a bunch of red on it, right? <laughs> red, bad, green, good, yellow, okay. I had red, right? All over the place, right? I'm pre-diabetic now and all this other stuff. So, so, all of these things that I had gone through, all the success, God dumped it all out, turned on the fire alarm, said, grab what you need to survive. I grabbed it. I ran as far as I could run. And then at the point where I couldn't run anymore, that's when the, that's when the angels come, came and grabbed me and said, you're not alone. You're not by yourself. I'm not letting you go out like this. And now I'm going to show you how I can not only pick you up, 
not only lift you up, but I can take you to higher heights, right? We can, every round on this, uh, on this level is going to go higher and higher, right? Double for your trouble, that kind of thing. And so that's what happened. I had hit rock bottom and then it was only at rock bottom that I rolled over and looked up and God said, I got you. And then he took me forward. And then once I got to moving forward, it was, okay, I can't, I can't, I can't take this and I can't, I can't travel this road without turning around and helping somebody else escape where I just was. Because I knew that if I got to the place where I was mentally and the trauma that I had experienced in the city of Indianapolis, as well as in the community, I knew that if I could arrive at where I was, what is the single mother going through? What is the guy with the felony going through? What is a young kid who everybody is typecasting going through, right? What is the mother who just lost her child uh, before the age of two? What are they going through, right? What If I'm going through what I'm going through based on what I've been through, then what in the world could they be facing right now? What's going on in their heads? And so I had to go back to the street to try my best to use what God had brought me through to try to bring some others through. And that's what really led me back to the street as I saw people hurting and I saw people traumatized and I saw people who couldn't get jobs and I saw people who couldn't afford to go back to school and I saw people who couldn't find their gifts, their talents, their abilities, those people who had those innate skills and whatnot. And literally graffiti had to hit, hit, hit them over the head and say, hey, you are more than you have become. You can't forget who you are. You can't let to, to today be the same as yesterday. Every day, God gives you new graces and new mercies, right? You got to get up every day. Even though I didn't have a reason to get up, Trey, I would get up and say, today might be the day. It might be the day that I get the job. It might be the day that I get the opportunity. It might be the day that I get some favor. It might be the day that's, that something positive happens. So every night I went to bed and nothing happened. The next day I would wake up and say, today might be the day. And I just believe mm -hmm. that God had to put me through all of that in order to get me to where, you know, I am today. Whereas, you know, I'm grateful for it everything you know and not only am i grateful for it i i can't um you know there's a song that we used to sing um um uh, i couldn't keep it to myself oh i couldn't keep it to myself <laughs> i said i wasn't gonna tell nobody but i couldn't keep it to myself what the <laughs> lord has done for me that is how i feel i feel like even if I said I wasn't gonna tell nobody, I just can't keep it to myself. I gotta tell people. And so the Urban Servant Leadership Unconference that you attended, Trey, was all about me not being able to keep it to myself. I gotta tell somebody. And so we would bring people in and say, okay, this is what we experienced. This is what we went through. This is how we got where we are. And so let me just stop there. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm, let me, let me uh, put a question in here, Pastor G, just to, to um, um, let me state something from my perspective and then ask you to, to comment on it. Okay, so um, a big part of your recent past has been the leadership of Christ Missionary Baptist Church. And it was my perspective from, from the outside looking in that as you, as you led that church to involve itself, and I don't have enough of a previous history with the church to know what they were doing before you got there, okay? But during certainly during your time of leadership there, you led the church 
to involve itself in the community to seek the seek the the greater good of the neighborhood and as mm -hmm. you took those stand, tangible steps in that direction my my observation was that the church began to experience health of its own like on, on its own as a church it became healthier uh, okay and that's your statement and question correct that's right so so tell me okay. tell me what the tell me a tell me if i'm seeing that right and b tell me what the correlation is there did did, did one produce the other or what what's the correlation between uh between the church in your experience between the church reaching out to the to help the community and lift up the community and and its yeah. own health and the restoration okay. of its health yeah so here's what i would say I would say the view that I had of everything that I was doing at CNBC Indy was just planting seeds, period. Okay, yep. Uh, and the manifestation of what came from what I was doing, I cannot say whether or not they as a body became healthier, okay. but I can tell you that there were individuals. Yes who benefited from the fruit that fell from the tree that God allowed me to be while I was there. Yeah. Uh, and I say that because as you know, in every community of faith, there's different levels of people in different places mm -hmm. and everybody did not get it. Sure. Everybody yeah. didn't understand it. That's right. Uh, some people would, on one hand, say, what my pastor does is great. Right. <laughs> Not what we do. What he does mm -hmm. is great. And yeah. it was almost like, well, you know, whatever he's doing is wonderful. Make it look good. But I ain't doing that. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I can't say as a I cannot say as a body that the that the church became healthier. I believe the body of Christ became healthier okay. but the body that body itself i yeah. cannot say that and there are like um i don't know if y'all heard I, I i hate to date uh the podcast but you may have heard a few days ago that there was a young man that got uh hit um unfortunately on zionsville road yeah uh, and so somebody sent that message to me and i saw it and i said oh okay uh, this is maybe connected to one of the church members. So I sent her a message and said, Hey, you know, you know, you do what you do, praying with you, praying for you. Uh, if there's anything we can do, but whatever. And yeah. then a couple of days later, or maybe the next day, she hits me back and says, Hey, um, you know, uh, somebody, uh, the, the young man, Demarcus's mother wants to call you. And so I didn't really pay attention to it, but I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess this is the guy that got, hit on zionsville she wants to call me i said so she want prayer like what you know help me like what she okay whatever right. and so she says, yes she needs a lot of prayer well ultimately it took me maybe 24 hours to realize that the the marcus who got hit on zionsville was a young man who i who used to ride in the car with me i used to go pick him up all the time mm. and his mother i talked to them just yesterday and his mother said you know, the DeMarcus loved you. He respected you. He talked about you all the time. Mm. And this is the point that I'm making. He, he was a young man who, you know, 
like all of us have varying issues and challenges. And somewhere along my journey, we connected. Yeah. And it was for a season. But I had to do in the, I had to do what I'm telling you. I had to yeah. plant as many seeds as I yeah. could plant. Yeah. Let somebody else water them, mm-hmm. and let ultimately God get the increase. That's right. And so I can't say that I witnessed, you know, the yeah, yeah. the greatness in Him. But I can say that for the season that He was in the car with me, mm-hmm. for the season that He was in the balcony at the church, for the seat I baptized Him. Yeah. In yeah. that season, yeah. I did everything I could in that season. Now, beyond that, I cannot speak to it, but I can say that whatever I'm doing, I look at it as I'm planting seeds for this, for this season. And mm-hmm. once I'm done, the rest of it is on whoever waters yeah. and ultimately God gets to increase. So I hope that helps. I, I don't yeah. see it as the body got healthier. I see it as the body of Christ got healthier and individuals in there, I believe, figured it out and said, hmm, I think I get, I think I get what God is trying to minister through this guy. Um, because I wasn't a good preacher, you know, I, I I couldn't sing, you know, so I couldn't close out a sermon with a song. You know what I mean? I, I, I didn't, I don't do the black preacher hoop and all that stuff. I don't do none of that stuff. Just a preacher. So most people from the culture that I come come from aren't really interested in listening to a person like me, right? Mm. So, you know, if I didn't have anything else going on, technically nobody would come. Mm. They wouldn't, because they're not interested in listening to somebody talk. They want yeah. to hear you do all that other stuff and I don't do all that other stuff. Sure. So that, and I think that was another reason why the, the you know, I could not necessarily lead that church towards being healthier because I had to also blow past a lot of the idiosyncrasies of black church, which yeah. I'm not into black church. That sure. doesn't appeal to me. Sure. You know? yes, sir. And so um, as we continue to uh, talk about this, um, again, like what we pointed out in the urban servant leadership, that was a big part of my life in terms of where I'm at now. And for, for those who are listening, I will get to it a little bit later on and how um, that conference has actually impacted my life. But uh, just a couple of questions um, before we kind of get into the fun segment and then we'll close this thing out. Um, really enjoying the talk thus far. Um, so from your perspective, Pastor G, um, the way that you saw the communities and the way that you saw yourself made you realize that you went back to community what helped you to realize that you needed to start a conference like servant leadership to help people to understand from where you're coming from? It's simple. I was getting burned out. I was getting beat down, you know, (laughs) and I continued to hear conversations about people asking or, or, or saying, we need more. We need more in the community. More people need to step up. More people need to do this. And I'm sitting there going, what do you mean more people need to... I'm looking, I'm like, man, we're, we're doing the best we can, you know? And, and I looked around, I said, I said, we're underfunded. We're under, uh, resourced where people are telling me, uh, we don't want to help you because we want you to help yourself. And I'm looking around and everybody, you know, the majority of my members are on fixed incomes and I'm going with what, right. 
And yeah. then I, I have a, now have a master's degree and I'm not making enough money to even give back to my church enough for them to do the things that just, you know, just to fix a hundred and five year old building. Right. So I, you know, part of it was I'm realizing that I'm getting burned out. And so what are these people doing? They mm -hmm. must be getting burned out too. So part of me was trying to figure out a way to provide a platform for people to support one another who are doing the trench work. The people who are really in the trenches who need to know that they're not by themselves, that they're not alone, that there is a, a thing called capacity building, that there, there might be people who would be willing to support the work, right? And, and so to me, I started to see that there was a, a, a tremendously wide gap between the resources and the people who were really doing the work. And the folks who had the resources would put stipulations and they would call them, they would call uh, them, um, restricted grants and you could only use them this way and that way and thus and they didn't understand in no way did those people understand what we had to do to go from week to week to week to week they had no idea and i know this is true because i sat down with one of the funding organizations that had given us a grant and i said we need to talk because you all have given us monies and giving us stipulations and i don't think y'all understand what we're going through and what we're having to face to actually do you know what it is you're telling us that we need to do they gave us money and said we had to have something done in like like 12 months and it took us 24 months and i wanted them to understand why it took so long yeah and so when we sat down the lady the lady from the organization was in tears mm -hmm. she was in tears and she admitted herself we and our organizations don't understand what urban churches and urban leaders are going through. Mm. We don't understand. And so my goal with the Urban Sermon Leadership Unconference was to try and sort of bring some of these things up to the surface so that people can really begin to look around and say, wow, I had no idea that that resource was there. I had no idea that there was somebody else doing exactly what I'm doing on the other side of town. I had no idea, right? You get, you get my point. Yep. You know, yeah, exactly. You know, that, that's 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 why we did it. I mean, yeah, of it. course. And I, I want to say this too: the the conference has changed my life in, in two ways. Uh, the first first off, I can't remember the first time I went to uh, I went to the serving uh, leadership, but the first time I went um, after we were done, I was having a conversation with my dad and. I just remember to myself and, and praying to God, like, God, you know, give me opportunities to reach out to my community. Give me, give me something, give me an opportunity. And I remember on that same timeline that I was praying for God to, uh, to open up doors for me to play basketball. And, um, I, I was, uh, 10th, no, 11th grade at the time. And I was just praying in about like a year or two without basketball since I've last played and I'm like, God, I really want to play basketball, you know, just come on, grant something. And uh, a good friend of mine um, who, who I uh, developed a closer relationship now is uh, Pastor Aaron Story. And he uh, created a Christian organization in which I will be interviewing him in part three. Hopefully he will uh, <laughs> uh, 
commit to that because I'm really looking forward to having him talk about this organization. But he created an organization called All Four Six Two Zero One, which uh -huh. is all about in the communities in reaching out to younger guys in the inner city who do not have a chance to play basketball or mm -hmm. cannot play at the highest level from Fishers or Noblesville or, mm -hmm. or down in the South. They, they just don't have the opportunities there. And uh, he reached out to my dad and said, hey, is can Trey be interested in being a coach? I'm like, wait. Oh, wow. I'm like, wait, what, what? A coach? I, had, I, I, I literally told Ben, I'm like, I want to play and not coach, but maybe I'm interested. <laughs> no. And so uh, when we talked to Pastor Aaron, he he gave out the ideas of how we can reach out to these guys, not only just give out the gospel, but to go above and beyond the gospel and to say, hey, we're here for you. We care for you. We get what you're going through. And it, that helped me to realize that like God has answered my prayer it, it, as right. this conference has helped me to say god help me to be involved in my community and he has answered the prayer with not just granting me with basketball and coaching which by the way uh today i'm actually uh have the privilege of coaching a, a ninth grade team and uh, hopefully we'll go on a championship run uh, for today but anyway um that's it, awesome it helped me to realize um that god not only answered my prayer in basketball but god answered my prayer in terms of being involved in the community and right. and just the small things to where pastor Aaron looked out and said okay he he really wants to be part of community he can be a part of coaching it 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 expanded my understanding of why it is so important and so valuable to go and reach these communities and say guys hey we not just want to give out the gospel to you we want to go above and beyond we want to care for you we want to love you we get what you're going through and I told the guys, I said, hey, I have been without basketball for two years, and I know what you're going through. Uh, to, to the fact where you're in your city and you don't have the chance to play basketball, just come to here. I will tell you guys, I have experienced that. Let me help you to get to the highest level so that we can go to Fishers and, hey, we, you need to recruit this guy. He's got special skills and all of that. It's not just reaching about the gospel. It's about going above and beyond. Another reason why that conference has been a blessing to my life was actually I reached out to a guy that was a guest speaker, which was uh, Kyle P. Marshall. You remember him? <laughs> of course. That's yeah. one of my best friends, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, he, was, he was speaking to there, and that was actually, I believe, my second time going to the uh, leadership conference. And I got to reach out to him and say, hey, I... I not only am just part of this organization reaching out to communities, but also want to become a church planner. I, I said inner city uh, pastor at the time, but I believe God's calling me now to be a church planner in Detroit. And so mm -hmm. um, as, as I was reaching out to him and, and asking him what he's been going through, uh, he was at the time selling out his book called success journey. And um, I remember uh, it was like $15 and I'm like, I really don't have any money, but as I was talking to him, he's like, dude, you know, let me just sign it. Let me, let me send you an encouragement and have the book. And right. that book has been a huge blessing in my life. And it also has helped me um, develop uh, some knowledge in the Christian organization that I am in the basketball organization. And so 
I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you, Pastor G, for what you did in the uh, conference and how you've opened up not just my eyes, but my dad's eyes and those who are part of the conference to help realize that, hey, we need to understand what you guys are going through to realize that this is an opportunity to reach out to our communities and, and we can make a difference yeah. together. So thank you. That's real. That's real. Man, I, I mean, that's you, you have no idea how much that warms my spirit to know, you know, we don't always get, and Rev, you know this, we don't always hear, like I said, you know, right. we, don't, we don't get to see increase. That's not our job and it's not our, that's not our objective, right? Yeah. Our objective is to just sow the seeds of the gospel and do our part in whatever way, whether we're in the marketplace or whether we're in the church or whether we're in parachurch, wherever we are, our job is to sow the seeds. We're not supposed to stick around and quantify the, you know, what comes back, the fruit. And, but it's always, it is good to hear what you're, you know, things like what you're saying now and to know that that has been a blessing to you. And all I can say is that the best is yet to come. You know, the best is yet to come. As long mm -hmm. as you turn around and you continue to use what you're, what you've been given, right? And, 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 and sow those same seeds into those young men that you are working with, trust me, you know, you're going to receive the blessing that it is to us to know that something that we did or said was a blessing to you. And so I, you know, man, thank you so much for sharing that with me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, before we wrap it up, Ed, you have any one last questions for him before we? Uh, yes, Pastor G, just want to say again, thank you for, for being on uh, Trey's podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure all these years to, to be your friend and to watch what God's using you to do. I'm honored to count you as my brother and my friend. And uh, yes, thank you for the, for your time today. Man, that, like I said, man, this is, this is easy. Anytime. Um, uh, there was something that we didn't talk a lot about and hopefully maybe the next time we get on, we can talk about um, uh, the, what we've been doing since, yes. you know, once yeah. the pandemic, hit, right. Oh yes. Uh, Cause that, that is, um, you know, I, you know, I'm just believing that, that God knew again, he knew when we were doing virtual ministry and you may remember, I don't know if you remember that at all, uh, uh, Rev, but, you know, we started the virtual ministry here in Indianapolis in about 2012 or 13, 12. I don't know. I don't know. 11, 12, something, something like that. We started yeah, yeah. that virtual ministry. And so, you know, uh, as you can imagine, a lot of people were kind of like, okay, so, you know, so what are you doing? You know, I'm like, well, I push to a camera like every Sunday. Right. And they're like, oh, okay. So what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> right. And so sure. when the pandemic hit, that really put us in a place where uh, people began to ask the question, okay, so now, uh, now you're the one that was doing that virtual thing, like that like now for real, like, how do you do that? Right. That's so right. Uh, it, it's been, again, interesting how God put, you know, put us through all of that, dropped it all, and then even uh, found a very valid use for something that I think people didn't think was useful. And that was how to actually build the studio like what we have now, turn cameras on, install software that you need and actually be able to reach people all over the world. Uh, and, and so we can talk more about that next time, but definitely I think y'all get the point that yeah. I had to go through it to get to it. And, and that's where we are now. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, and that that's, and the reason why I wanted to bring you brought 
you on here, not just to only talk about churches involved in the community, but also from your story. I know somebody will take from your perspective, uh, from your story and just say, hey, that's what I'm going through. I need some encouragement and all that. So thank you once again, Pastor Steve, for being on the podcast. Easy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. So uh, part two of the importance of community will be actually a guy by the name of Tyler, who I've connected to for about three years. He's also part of the organization, the Ball for 201. He's also uh, doing some behind the scenes of Indian Metro Church. And uh, he wants to uh, lay his heart out in uh, the importance of community, of uh, what it means for him. And uh, while Pastor Gene was talking about himself and, and how he was reaching out to his church about community, I want to get a guy who is just behind the scenes in church, behind the scenes in organization, and to say, hey, this is my heart for community, and this is where I see things. And then part three, which I'm really going to be excited about, is uh, the uh, importance of community in the community and uh, Pastor Aaron's story. We'll be talking about how he started uh, the organization Ball for 6201, which I'm a part of and proud of to, to be a part of that. So anyway, I'm uh, looking forward to the next episode and thank you guys for tuning in. This podcast is made possible by Anchor Podcasts, the easiest way to make a podcast. Are you interested in making a podcast of your own? Try Anchor Podcast. The best part, it is free. I hope that you were blessed and encouraged by the conversations that we've had on this episode and in this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, please look me up on Instagram at City Boy for Life. Make sure to put the dots on the city and boy. Also, I'm available on Facebook if you want to DM me there too. I am also available if you want to contact me through Gmail, IndyT. 2000 at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for tuning in, and I'm looking forward to the next episode.